everyone and welcome to Menopause, the good, the bad and the downright sweaty. I'm Diane Danzibrink and as ever I'm here with my lovely co-host, the fabulous Sophie Claus. Well, thank you. <laughs> Hello everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so Soph, it's been a couple of weeks since yes. we've sat down. A lot has happened. A lot has happened, yes. Menopause is kind of everywhere, isn't it? Yes, and it's not all good. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's, not, it's all not all good. It's great to see lots of media about menopause, but how, I mean, we're both in menopause, mm-hmm. um, both in surgical menopause, so we don't really talk so much about how the this kind of news affects us because we're generally supporting other people mm. so how how has the how have the two big pieces of news which obviously have been the HRT shortages and also the recent Lancet report um, which just makes me furious. How have those two things affected you personally? Because we haven't spoken about that. We haven't. Um, with the report that was released, my initial feeling was panic. Okay. But not for me mm. taking HRT. Mm. Panic that women across the UK mm-hmm. would be flushing or throwing their HRT away. Right having been completely terrified. And I just kind of felt really angry that there's been so much positive work done to raise awareness of menopause and mm. the treatment options available and break down taboos relating to HRT. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this is going to undo all that work and put the fear of God in people. Mm. And I just thought, you're going to have women that have been feeling really, really good and like they've got their life back Mm. that are going to go back to feeling pretty horrendous. Mm. And then that was kind of followed on quite quickly by me thinking, hmm, the timing of this report is rather coincidental (laughs) in line with the HRT shortage. Mm. And in my head, it was like, oh, propaganda. (laughs) Because I just thought, actually, you know, there's there's a HR shortage that is really proving problematic. It's causing huge issues, Mm. massive distress for women that are Mm. already, you know, in a delicate situation for quite a few of them. Um, It's it's making so much stress that is entirely avoidable Mm. and the government are being completely reprimanded for letting this happen. Mm. Oh, and suddenly this news report's kind of created And I just thought, yeah, it's a complete coincidence. Maybe I'm very cynical, I don't know, but that's how I felt. And for me, I am not coming off my HRT. It's an absolute lifeline. I want to protect my heart, my bones, my brain, and just my, I want to have a good quality of life. Mm. So I'm not coming off of it. Mm, it's really interesting, because I, I hate conspiracy theories. Um, but, and obviously, you know, we've known for quite a considerable amount of time, since, particularly since the end of last year, that there were issues with the adhesive for the patch on one product 
and that there was an issue around one of the most popular tablets of HRT. So consequently that did put pressure on other types of HRT or, or other brands. Um, but I think, <laughs> I can see why people are thinking the way that you're thinking. I really can. Um, I've got no proof of that. However, it's very difficult to get information from the government about this. What was your initial thought when you saw the report? The Lancet report. The Lancet report, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, so the Lancet report is a meta-analysis. So that means that it is both, re sorry, both, um, research that has been done that's published and research that's been done that's unpublished so the first thing that i thought about it was i don't understand how research that's unpublished so hasn't been peer reviewed can go into a meta-analysis that's going to be so widely reported mm -hmm. second thing is a major part of that meta-analysis is something called the Million Women Study. And coincidentally, or not, um, the one of the lead authors of this meta-analysis was also very involved with the Million Women Study. Interesting. So the Million Women Study is actually, that was also not a gold standard randomised control study. It's a study that was done, basically it was two surveys um, sent supposedly to this million women. It actually turns out that I think it's something in the, I think it's 40 something percent of those women actually completed both. And of course, the difficulty with self-completed surveys is how, how reflective of the experiences are what those women are putting in those surveys. Mm. Yeah, does that make sense? Yes. Um, so there's already big question marks over the methodology and the results of that survey. How was it sent to them? Do you know? Was it um, I don't, a, you know? I don't know. Um, I believe it was a paper survey. Right, okay. Um, and then you also have the issue over the fact that this report also didn't highlight um, whether or not micronized progesterone mm -hmm. was, or the element of micronized progesterone. Now we know that micronized progesterone has been used more and more in recent years. So that's body identical, what we call body identical plant derived mm -hmm. micronized progesterone. Um, so body identical meaning same molecular structure as the progesterone that we produce naturally. Um, we, we also know that the tiny increased risk in breast cancer is thought to be connected to synthetic progestogens, particularly a very old type of synthetic progestogen. That isn't really used. Very, no. there, I think there's probably one product mm -hmm. um, that still contains that. Um, so there are all sorts of questions over it. My biggest question was, how can it be that this meta-analysis has been reported like this in The Lancet? So, you know, sort of a highly regarded publication when there are so many question marks over it still. 
and the you know sort of what was essentially given the press release um, that went with it was actually very scaremongering so and as you then saw the headlines that resulted in that but when you actually dug down into it um, and but not you know, many kind of, people will. will no, people I mean, have the you know, sort of. Life. I'm involved in menopause every day of my life, mm. but there's no way I don't have the time, and I'm not a researcher. I'm well, not an me, academic. I had, for me, I found it quite hard to decipher what, yeah. what it was actually telling me. It was quite yeah. confusing and conflicting in places. So yeah. For for somebody that doesn't kind of do menopause every single day. Mm. Oh, I live menopause every day, but <laughs> I, I don't have a professional understanding mm. of it. I'm just lived experience. And but I've me, heard from, confusing. I've heard from, you know, kind of clinicians and academics who are used to reading these things all the time. And they have said it would take them several weeks mm. to analyse this properly. And to fully understand exactly. how the research was obtained. Exactly. So why did it, so my, still my big question, is why has it been given the gravitas that it has when there are so many question marks over it? Which is why, for many, many women I've spoken to, we all think, well, it's actually very coincidental with the timing of the HR. And we go back to your conspiracy theory. (laughs) Yeah, it is my conspiracy theory, but the fact it's been allowed to be reported when it doesn't seem to be like verified Mm. research. Yeah, and I think the, what then happened was that the MHRA, which is essentially a government organisation, it's the Medicines and Health Products Regulatory Agency, um, it then became apparent that they had written to all GP surgeries advising them that when their patients were coming in for their repeat prescriptions, they then had to talk to them about this research. And that has got, you know, kind of, that's got the professional menopause community up in arms. That has huge ramifications. Because well, GPs will be, I imagine some GPs that don't know so much about menopause mm-hmm. will be now be frightened yeah. of prescribing it. Absolutely. So they will be, you know, kind of, they're not going to know all this background and they're going to see this information from the MRHA saying you need to talk to your patients about this. So essentially, it has the potential to do something similar to, you know, sort of the studies that we refer to back in the early 2000s. That we've just started to move away from (laughs) and kind of give women confidence again to actually ask for HRT. Yeah, and that was the whole point of being able to give factual, evidence-based, non-biased information to women. It's the whole, it's the point of menopause support. It's the point of the British Menopause Society. It's the point that people like Dr. Louise Newton, you know, kind of the whole reason for trying to put all this information out there is trying to give women that information so that they can make informed choices. Give them a choice. Exactly, but the trouble is when you see headlines come out like the ones we had, I think it's two weeks ago now, mm. you know, yeah. sort of that that would immediately make a lot of people and probably a lot of doctors go, <gasps> hang on a minute. Could you see this a big is... increase in menopause support of people talking? We had a lot of people, we had a lot of people joining. Mm-hmm. 
um, to say, I'm really confused, I don't know what to do. Um, we also had an awful lot of questions. I mean, it went mad for a little bit about this and perfectly understandably, because if you're just settled on it or you've just started, or you, you know, you're in your first three months, and of course, then we've now got the issue, which is a daily issue of, I can't get it. I can't get my HRT. Which is having a huge detrimental Well, impact. I don't know if you saw it, but I did, um, I did an interview um, with The Independent, which I think was published on Saturday um, this week um, about the HRT shortages. And I asked members of the Menopause Support Network if they would sort of give some anonymous quotes mm -hmm. for the kind of things that they were experiencing. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not overstating the issue to say that women on the group have said, you know, sort of that they felt suicidal. Mm -hmm. before they got their HRT. Um, now they're terrified of feeling that way again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sort of, I know a lot of people would say, if you've never been there, and that's never been something you've experienced, I know a lot of people would say, oh, surely not. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of, surely that's overplaying it. Um, as somebody who got to dramatic. that, as somebody who yeah. got to that point, absolutely not. It's completely understandable, um, you know. But people were using words like fear and dread. One lady said that she actually dreaded now taking her repeat prescription to the pharmacy because she's so terrified that she won't be able to get it. Another younger woman said that she was really scared about holding down her job. I know you've spoken very candidly about work. Um, another woman said that she was really worried about being able to look after her family. Um, and, you know, I have to say, you know, sort of, Thanks to Maya Oppenheim, who wrote the piece. Um, she wrote a very good, very strong, very factual piece about it. Um, but, you know, it is causing, and to be fair, I don't think it's just causing a lot of stress for women. I think it's causing a massive amount of stress for doctors, for menopause specialists. You know, menopause specialists are desperately trying to help these women. Um, but their, their choices for helping are being reduced and reduced. Um, the information that's coming out, you know, so that you really have to search for it. Mm -hmm. My personal opinion is that the Department of Health should be releasing a bi-weekly list of yeah. what's available At they're minimum. the ones they're the ones that are in touch with the pharmaceutical companies you know they should be releasing that to the british menopause society on a bi-weekly basis the british menopause society should then be able to release that to all menopause specialists it should be able to go up on their website mm -hmm. you know i know that they've worked to try and get information but if they can't get information out of the pharmaceutical companies then it's up to the department of health who have a pharmaceutical department, they have a whole department of people. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it's up to them to push the pharmaceutical companies to give them the information. 
What um, strikes me is how can this be allowed to happen? This wouldn't happen with medicine for diabetes. Well, I, I mean, I know that it's interesting because I met a pharmacist yesterday in something completely unrelated. Um, and she was saying that there are issues with other medications, oh, okay. but it does seem to be, you know, kind of very concentrated around all the different types of HRT. Mm. Now, as we've said, you know, there's earlier, I think it was last week, I got some information to say that one of the patches, some had come back into stock. Um, we know that the gel and the micronized progesterone is consistently in stock. Mm -hmm. We know that some of the less well-known tablets are in stock. But the thing is, if you're settled on something... You don't want to rock the boat because you've waited so long to feel settled. Yeah, exactly that. What quite a few women that I've been speaking to have said um, is that they're arriving at their uh, pharmacy to collect yeah. their medication um, on a repeat prescription and they're being told um, that it's not available and that the doctor's actually not prescribed it that month because it's not available. Yeah. Um, but they're not give, being given any alternatives. So then they have to leave the pharmacy, go to the doctors, say, please, can I see a doctor? You know, some of the appointments are two weeks away. That's really difficult. And that gap that they feel nervous, they feel panicked, fearful, dread, the same, the same words yeah. that you said. And a lot of people are saying that they're worried about how it will impact their career and their home life and how to get that understanding there that actually their, their support, their stilts as such, have mm. just been taken away really we suddenly. Had, we had a lady on the group the other day who she's been on Everell Conti for quite a while, so that's a continuous estrogen progesterone, progestogen, which is for women who are in a surgical, sorry, women who are in postmenopause. Um, and she went to her doctor to get her prescription and her doctor, so just her, you know, sort of after 12 months, she needed to go in and see the doctor again, went in and the doctor said, uh, it's not available, so you can't have it. And gave no alternatives. And no alternatives. And to be fair, I think that's because the doctor doesn't realise that he could give a separate oestrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of, or that there are other other possibilities. Um, but again, that brings us back to the same old, same old, which is if they had the education, they would know they could. What yeah, because I'm sure it's not that he doesn't want to help his patient. It's just that he doesn't know that he's got the options. Or the Department of Health should be saying to doctors like, if your yeah. patient is on this and that's not available this is what you can give, these are your options. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have to say, you know, it's been woeful mm. as far as information is concerned. So for... I give an antidepressant that became un unavailable. Yeah. But you know, I've been on antidepressants for several years. If that was suddenly stopped, and I know I'm very sensitive because I've mm. tried a few kinds, mm. if that was stopped, then after three or four days, mm. I'm pretty sure that I would be having horrific symptoms mm. because I've been on it for so long. Mm. I, I don't ever see that happening mm. with those. No, it's it's really difficult. What Have you had a menopause club since this has all come out? Mm, uh, yes, we did. We had a, um, well, we had one at Hitchin Lavender. We had a okay. little impromptu one, mm -hmm. but it came up there and a few people are having issues mm. getting their, their HRT. Helen, lovely Helen, mm. who did a podcast mm. with us. Um, she takes the Estradoc, 
yeah. that's currently unavailable. Yeah. And she said she can really feel the difference. Yeah. And she's getting worried about work and holidays and kind of can feel her irritability already increasing. Yeah. And I just think, you know, that's across the board. And I remember last year when my pellet became yeah. unavailable. Yeah. They, I was actually told that the company making it had actually completely stopped making it and there wouldn't be any available for a long time and I had several conversations with you about well what am I going to do because I've tried every other HRT Mm. and that panic and that dread that grips you it just adds an additional stress to your everyday life and Mm. worry and I think people find it really hard to understand especially people that haven't aren't in menopause Mm. Um, and it is difficult to understand something if you've not been through it but I just think there needs to be given women need to be given a greater level of support at the moment yeah there just needs to be masses more information and we also need to know when some of these things are going to be coming back into stock is it true that some of them because i saw a um, list of the predicted dates Mm. that be back in stock some as late as march next year and well for everell for the everell products which are the most popular patches they're saying mid 2020 What's the reason for that? Well, that one of the reasons gap. that they're giving is the extra pressure on stocks because of the other things going out of stock, but also the increased use of HRT because of the amount of media, because of all of those of us who are trying to get that factual evidence-based information out there. So I suppose, you know, to some extent, we all have to take a bit of <laughs> a bit of the blame for that. However, Everell is made by a company called Janssen, and Janssen are part of Johnson & Johnson. So we're talking hmm. massive, multi-squillion. A global pharmaceutical global company. company. So people who employ forecasters, you know, this is a whole this is a whole area for them is forecasting, predicting. Really? They could have been keeping an eye on the progress you would, that's been made. You would made. think that over, you know, over the last two years when things have been changing, and I think the most frustrating thing is, you know, they're saying, well, it's because of increased demand. Okay, fine, but demand's been increasing over, at least over the last couple of years. Mm. Um, so how have you got it so wrong? That's, I'd love to know that. In fact, I had quite a little, um, I had quite a little conversation with them on Twitter and eventually they said, could I actually either call their helpline? <laughs> basically, can you stop talking to us on Twitter? Because I just basically said, you know, can you, this is a really simple question. Do you have any of this stuff in stock? Yes or no? That's a really simple and I couldn't get a yes or no out of them. A politician's um, answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was kind of, you're getting a bit annoying. Could you please now call Classic. the helpline or something or email, email us. us on this address? And what's the worst thing in the world about it? It's the worst thing is having no information, isn't it? Mm. So it's like, well, do you know what? If they're not going to be back till June next year and you've got, you've got no stock, could you just tell us? Because then people will stop running around after it. If you've got 10,000 boxes of Everell Conti still sitting in your warehouse that can go out to wholesalers, could you tell us that? Because then something. people will, they'll have a clue. 
And if you're not going to tell us, could you tell the Department of Health? And could the Department of Health then filter that information down? And communicate it. Because, yeah. you know, as we all know, there's nothing worse than having no information. Um, what is your advice at the moment mm-hmm. to a woman who is feeling horrendous because mm-hmm. she cannot get hold of any HRT? Yeah, okay, so I would say um, the first thing is there will be something. It might not be your first choice, but there will be something. Um, so if you're a woman who, if you have had your womb removed, you only need estrogen. Um, in the vast majority of cases, there is a caveat to that, but we haven't really got time to go into that at the moment. Um, but for the vast majority, they only need estrogen. So you could have estrogen as a gel, and we know that the we've been told by Bezins, the company that make it, that Estragel is available and there's good stocks. There are five different companies that make estrogen patches. And we know that at the moment, two of those are certainly available. Um, so the you might not be able to get your Everell or your Estradot, but there are others. Um, that your GP can prescribe um, and there are estrogen only tablets too. If you need progesterone too, if you need your estrogen and progesterone because you still have your womb, whether you're peri or postmenopausal, you could have your estrogen as the micronized progesterone which is called Eutrogestan. Um, for the vast majority of the company country that's available, in Scotland it's more difficult. Some women seem to be able to access it in Scotland, others not. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the SMC, which I think stands for Scottish Medicines Consortium, um, I don't think it is part of their formulary in Scotland, but some people do seem to be able to get it. So again, if you're having a combined product, something that's got estrogen and progesterone in it, you could have your estrogen and progesterone separately. If you have a marina coil, that can be the progesterone part of your HRT, and it has a license now for five years, the same as the license for contraception. So there will be something. The other thing is, if you've got a prescription and you're going to, either you usually get it from your doctors, Mm -hmm. or you get it, let's say, from a big, pharmacy um, so I'm kind of thinking Boots, Lloyds, people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember that many of the pharmacies use different wholesalers so it could be that your corner pharmacy that you probably haven't been into for a long time they may be able to access it and lastly each of the pharmaceutical companies have a helpline and the pharmacist if they have the time, can call the helpline to find out if they can actually order directly from the pharmaceutical company, bypassing the wholesaler, straight in for you. So they're all possibilities. They all take more time. It's a faff. None of us have got more time, Um, but there will be something. and I think it's really important also to say about this MHRA, uh, yeah, about this MHRA, this Lancet report, that this week, literally a couple of days ago, um, the British Menopause Society 
have written to the MHRA asking them to explain why they have given this report in the Lancet the gravitas that it, that it has and why they've now written to all doctors. So they've asked them to explain why they've done that. Explain their reasons. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I'm hoping, so that letter has gone off, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that we will also get to know what the reply of that is. So once we know, maybe in a couple of podcasts time, we can um, discuss we'll that. be able to share that too. But I think the most important thing from today is it's easy for me to say don't panic but try not to panic and just know that there is there are options out there so you can look at lists on the british menopause society um it's on my website menopausesupport.co.uk um the menopause support facebook page i think i've put it on there um, I know Dr. Louise Newson has got it on her website. That's My Menopause Doctor. Um, so there are comparison charts that you can look at um, to try to get something. And I guess probably the best piece of advice is if you're if you're into your last month of HRT, don't wait. Get planning now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And independent pharmacies, definitely a few of the ladies in my club have found that going out to smaller villages with their little pharmacies exactly because they don't have as much footfall they actually still yeah. have some exactly some that stock. so you know kind of your village traveling your farm. village pharmacy or whatever yeah it's worth as i say it's a faff but it, it's worth trying as always you can contact us on hello menopause podcast at hotmail.com um, but it's been lovely speaking catching of, up <laughs> yeah that's lovely speaking to you all, but you're not speaking back <laughs> Take care, everybody. And we'll catch up next time.